What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. Oh, I will not lie to you guys. I did not get a lot of sleep last night. So if I sound a little tired, I am very sorry. <laughs> but um, we actually had a pretty big weekend. Um, a lot of stuff happened. I am super pumped to actually talk about a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, when don't we have a good episode? I, it's, it's always funny when, like, I, I hear other, like, podcasters or, like, people have their shows and be like, you know, we have a good show for you lined up today and stuff like that. And it's like, would you ever tell us if you had a bad show lined up for us? Like, would you ever, like, just come on and be like, hey, guys, listen, we got nothing today. <laughs> like, we're, it is nothing but mud on this card today so bear with us um but no today is not one of those episodes we uh we got some pretty big things to talk about um some big nfl news we're gonna recap what happened uh saturday with us ufc 251 uh a little bit of nba news before we get started on anything i usually do like the little small facts and stuff after the show or towards the end i want to start off with this Madden, what in the world are you guys doing? So some of the ratings came out for players in the like for the newest Madden that's coming out, um, Madden twenty one, and Aaron Rodgers has a rating of eighty nine, and that just sounds blasphemous saying it out loud. How on earth? Does Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, who, at least by my account, is the third best quarterback in the league behind only Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. How is he an 89? That team went 13-3 and last year, and the only receiver he had to throw the ball to was Devontae Adams. Like, it's... Whatever. All you need to know, Madden, you guys screwed the pooch on that one. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, what I do want to talk about is in the NFL. Um, it is official. Um, the Washington football team will be changing their name and logo. Um, the Washington football organization and Dan Snyder put out a press release, which is funny because... On the press release, they still use the racial slur that was the nickname of the Washington football team, and they still use the logo. So it, it kind of felt like, yeah, one more time, like one, one last one last ride. Uh, but um, it has come out that they will officially be changing the name and logo, which one I 100% agree with. I think it's great. Um, I'm extremely happy that Dan Snyder has to eat crow right now because he came back sternly in 2013 and was going off on fans talking about, I will never change the name and all this other stuff. And then FedEx and Nike and Pepsi were like, yeah, the name's racist. So take it down or we won't be giving you any more money. And Dan Snyder was basically forced to have to do this, um, which is sad, but we know Dan Snyder is a 
less than favorable human being. And as I've said, I'm going to go ahead and call him a racist because I don't understand why you would fight to keep that name. But anywho, uh, when you look at what that means, though, you have to look at, okay, so the NFL has players coming back to report for a mandatory like training camps and things like that July 28th. Which means that the Washington football team does not have a lot of time. And this is a lot of things that you have to go into. Like one of the, I I'm I'm surprised that they have come out and said because I've seen that they said that they plan to have um a name, branding, logos, things like that. They plan to have all of that done by this week like they're from what i've heard is that they're going to announce the new name and logo and everything this by the end of this week and on the surface that seems easy and i'm pretty sure dan snyder and someone someone in that in that organization had to talk to dan snyder and say hey in the case that we do have to change the name we should probably have some backups and we should just be prepared for this so i'm pretty sure they were um i do like the the idea that a lot of people have been throwing out um everyone i've been seeing a lot of washington red wolves i've been seeing a lot of uh washington red tails to uh honor the tuskegee airmen um i've seen a couple people say they should just go washington admirals and have shane falco running the team (laughs) um but I, one of the things that I actually thought would be really cool, ditch the whole Washington name. Get rid of Washington as well. Go by DC. I think DC sounds so much better than Washington. Like DC Red Wolves is my my vote. I think DC Red Wolves sounds great. Uh, it has a certain ring to it. I like the idea of Red Wolves. You can keep the color scheme. Um, I've seen some, some of like the logos and some of the designs that some people have come up with, and I thought it'd be really great. I think Wolves is easy to market. Um, I think it's... You know, you can call it, you know, the den. Yeah, like you can call it your home field, the den, and you have the pack and all this. Like, it's a very easy, easy thing to market. And you can kind of set up for a bunch of different types of uh, styles for shirts and merch and stuff like that. Um, I will say, though, like I said, I was surprised that they said that they're going to get this done by the end of the week. Because one of the things that oftentimes gets lost in this is that there's a lot that goes into this one of the things that i feel like people overlook is trademarks like you have to think now you have to go and find and file all these trademarks buy all these trademarks which by the way there is an entire segment of people who do nothing but buy trademarks like buy possible trademarks so that way when someone big needs them they can sell it to them like you can go and buy like okay prime example when tom brady went to the tampa bay buccaneers the one of the first things he did when that deal was signed and it was official that he was going to be a buccaneer was he put down a request for a trademark on the name um tampa bay you know t-o-m-p-a bay um but let's say he didn't 
there are literally people who make killings off of this because they'll go and they'll request a trademark for that name and they'll only pay like $250 for it. And then here comes Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they're like, all right, look, we need that name. We're going to make a lot of money off of it with merch and stuff like that. How much do you want it? It's like, yeah, well, we bought it for $250. We'll sell it to you for like $100K. And boom, <laughs> like it's it, it it happens. So if you're Washington, that's one of the things that you're kind of going through right now is I, I think 100% Washington already knows what their name is going to be, by the way. I think they 100% know, listen, we've been preparing for this. We knew that this was a possibility. We've been preparing for this. We have names. We have logos. We have designs. Right now, we're just going through the process of securing the trademarks. Um, but we will see what it is. Um one of the other things that I forgot to mention earlier when they put out that press release, uh, it was they made it painstakingly clear that this was only for the sponsors. <laughs> like, they didn't even try and hide it. Like, everything that they said, it was sponsors first, literally. They were like, we're doing this for our sponsors and the fans and community. Like, fans and community should have been first, bro. <laughs> I don't know who type that out but literally there were two situations in that press release where it was like sponsors first oh and then we're also doing this for the fans in the community it's like oh okay well thanks for making it painstakingly obvious that you don't care about our opinion you only care about money but hey that's washington that's dan snyder um but i am happy to see that it's going to be very getting a, a a new team essentially well a team name change in 2020 is gonna be pretty crazy um but hey that's this year just continues to throw curveballs at us so what else is new um keeping it in the nfl though i spoke earlier about how uh players and this is a thought that i had not too long ago i might have touched on it before i just can't remember if i elaborated on it enough um with the news that you know nfl players will be reporting on the 28th um, obviously, rookies report a week earlier, so rookies will be there the 21st. Um, this rookie class is going to be something very interesting to watch because I think they're the ones who are affected more so than anyone when it comes to the season. Like, you don't get that real inauguration into the way things are supposed to be. You know, like you've missed mini camps, you've missed uh, voluntary um, workouts and OTAs, and you haven't really had a chance to like you like, yeah, you've had a playbook or whatever that you've probably been able to do. And you've done some Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But you haven't had the ability to really sit down and watch any veterans. You haven't had a chance to be around other people and see how they think. And I think that's going to be a huge part trying to cram all of that in right before the season. So I think you're going to see a lot of rookies struggle this season. I think you're going to see a ton of guys struggle because that learning curve is going to be shortened and they're not going to have the necessary amount of time to really get acclimated to the day in the life of a professional football player in the NFL. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. It's you know, especially guys that are like expected to start right away, like Joe Burrow. 
you know, how is he going to look in Cincinnati? One, we don't even know if, like, we don't know what to expect of Cincinnati. We, everyone expects them to be bad. But you look at that team and it's like they have some talent. Joe Burrow, obviously, we saw what he did in college. So they could make it work. But it's going to be interesting just seeing how all of that plays out. I think you're going to see a lot of rookies struggle early. I think those first three weeks are going to be rough for rookies, especially guys that are expected to start right away. I think it's going to be rough. And then guys will get acclimated and will start to settle into it. But it's going to be interesting seeing how this rookie class uh, manages. And I think you'll be able to tell, okay, who was putting in the extra work to get ready and who kind of took the pedal, like, you know, took their foot off the gas. Um, but we'll see what happens there. But I, that's, that's a thought that I had not too long ago that I just couldn't remember if I elaborated on um, in any earlier episodes, but it's something to look, it's something to look for, especially those of you who are playing fantasy, um, maybe hold off on rookies. <laughs> I know me, I'm in a fantasy league with my family and I'm usually a guy who's, I, I, there's usually a couple rookies that I will look at that I absolutely love that I will take. Um, so if you're someone who's in fantasy, that's my little bit of fantasy advice. Be wary of rookies this year because they might have a slow start. Um, oh, couple, two more things about the NFL. Um, one, so we'll get to the good idea and the dumb idea. One, we'll do the dumb idea first. The NFL basically came out and said players will not be allowed to do jersey swaps this, this season, which... is such a like it's such a false sense of safety and like it's so much just lip service and just dressing like it's it's not anything it listen you're gonna tell me that i can go out here and sweat and bleed and tackle possibly get saliva on like spit on other guys I can do all of this, all of this stuff for 60 minutes. Yes, for four quarters, for 15 minutes, for four quarters, for 60 minutes. I can do all of that, right? I can tackle guys. I can be breathing the same air as them, being right in their face. But at the end of the game, no jersey swaps. How does that make sense? Like... Listen, I understand wanting to be precautious. I understand wanting to ensure the safety of everyone. This just looks like lip service. Like, if you're going to let us be out there on the field, like, part of the, whole, part of the whole thing of doing all of this testing and things like that is so that way we know who's, who has it and who doesn't. So, if everyone's tested and everyone's come up negative, then everyone on that field should be healthy. Which means everything that they have on should be, should not be contaminated. Let them do jersey swaps. What? Also, I didn't even know that players actually have to pay for those jersey swaps. They have to pay like $500 when they do jersey swaps, which is insane. Like, excuse me? What, what exactly were you going to do with these jerseys? Like, wash them and put them up somewhere? No, like... It, it's my jersey. Let me do what the hell I want with it. If I want a jersey swap with somebody, by all means, let me do it. But 
yeah, I just thought that was a really just it was a farce, you know, like it it was it was you you know, you were putting you know, putting dressing on it just to make it make it sound like you you're trying to do something and being super precautious. But really it just came across as stupid. <laughs> um now on the flip side of that, the NFL has unveiled um a face shield or mouth shield more so mouth guard um that they will be installing in some of the helmets um they're going to test it out with a couple players jj white has come out and said that he is not a big fan of it but i think i don't i don't know if jj watt's comments were before or after the unveiling of what it would actually look like i think he was thinking it was going to be something that was more claustrophobic and closer to the mouth um which from what I've seen, it's not, it's going to be basically uh, like how guys have, if some guys, if you see on some helmets, guys will have a visor, you know, like over their eyes and stuff like that. It's basically like that, but it's just going to be around the uh, face mask part that would be right in front of their mouths, you know? So it's not like right on top of them, you know, like they have a little bit of space um, from what I've seen. It looks like there's some holes that will be drilled into it, which okay, kind of defeats the purpose, but whatever. Um, it's an attempt to just kind of, you know, keep the spread of, uh, you know, bodily fluids and germs and things like that uh, down to a minimum. So I do think it's a good idea. I think it's something that they should 100% mandate. Um, and yeah, you know, if you're, if you're not going to be comfortable with it, then hey, don't play the game. Um, but I do, I think... Uh, this partner, it was a partnership with Oakley, and Oakley was was the uh, company that designed the uh, mouth shields. We'll see how it's taken. Like I said, they've tested it um, on a few players, um, and currently they said you know they haven't had any problems. But we'll have to see what happens as far as going forward, and the more players that they test it out on, and see what they say. Um. But yeah, so that's the NFL news in the NBA. Um, big news out of the NBA: uh, Russell Westbrook has tested positive for coronavirus, so he's obviously going to be quarantined. He's currently not with uh, his teammates. Uh, he's going to be quarantined uh, for 14 days. He's going to be tested, things like that. He took to Instagram to say, "Hey, you know." And I, I tested positive before going. Um, I'm feeling good, feeling healthy, hoping to beat this and get to my teammates as soon as possible. So hopefully everything uh, with him is okay. Hopefully everything, he's healthy and he can recover. Um, he is the first big name that we've seen um, as far as since the bubble has become a thing. Test positive um, since the NBA has kind of officially come back. Um so we will see what happens there. Uh, more than likely, you know, I want to keep it positive. He will, or keep it optimistic. <laughs> um, you know, he'll get healthy. He'll be quarantined, do all that stuff, and he'll be able to get back out there. He's a vital part to that team. And he's just a great player in general, and you want to see those guys out there. You want to see everyone out there. You want to see everyone uh, healthy and make it through this. Um, we did have two guys who had to be re-quarantined for inadvertently breaking 
the bubble rules. So, uh, Bruno uh, Cabocolo of the Houston Rockets apparently broke his quarantine when he left his room, apparently, when he was not supposed to, and he said that he did not know that. So, he has to be quarantined for 10 days. And then Sacramento King Center uh, Rashawn Holmes uh, apparently broke the bubble when he was going to pick up food because <laughs> he had some food postmated to the facilities. But what ended up happening was when he went to go pick up his food, he apparently left the area that is supposed to be completely shut down to the public. So he has to go into quarantine for 10 days. Um, basically, they will be sat in their rooms, can't go anywhere. They will be tested every day, and they will not be allowed to go back to uh, team activities until they uh, go through the 10 days and test negative every day. Every day that they are quarantined, they will be tested, and they have to be and they have to uh, give negative results each day. So we'll see how that happens. I know that must really suck. <laughs> I mean. And it's funny because I saw something. Apparently, if I'm if I'm Rashawn Holmes, one, you shouldn't have been. You should have probably thought a little bit about this and probably thought that wasn't gonna fly. But also, if I'm Rashawn Holmes, I'm a little upset at Kelly Oubre because Kelly Oubre basically <laughs> Kelly Oubre took to Twitter and was basically like, "Hey, uh, other guys in the bubble, you can have your food postmated to the hotel." And, you know, you can go out and get the food. Security won't touch your food. You can do it and you'll be fine and all this other stuff. And then literally Rashawn Holmes tried this and gets quarantined. And then Kelly Oubre, after all of this came out, literally tweeted out and was like, never mind, LOL. So if I'm Rashawn Holmes, I'm, I'm a little salty with Kelly Oubre right now because, dude, <laughs> what what's going on? Kind of seems like you might have tried to sabotage some of us, but, you know, um, I just thought that was pretty funny. But, uh Hopefully those guys, um, hopefully Rashawn and Bruno didn't uh, come in contact with anyone who has COVID and didn't contract uh, the virus. Hopefully they're all healthy and they can get back to the team. Same thing with Russell Westbrook. Um, so that's really it for the NBA. Uh, the big, big event that happened this, this past weekend was UFC 251. And I have to say... Yas Island, <laughs> Fight Island, uh, was a huge success. I think there were some really great fights. Um, I'm actually going to do an article that uh, will be highlighting the winners and losers um, from UFC 251. That will be on, on the Nuts and Bolts Sports website. So you can go to nutsandboltsports.com. Uh, hopefully, I, will, I hope to have that. Um, article finished by today. Hopefully it will be posted uh, by tomorrow, no later than. Yeah, no later than tomorrow. So, but UFC 251 was incredible. Um, I'm not going to talk about everything because I do, I'm, I'm going to get more into it uh, on the article, but I do want to take a look at the main event or the main main event because apparently there was a try main event, which Listen, okay, a little bit of a tangent here. Dana White, for the love of God, please move this to like 8 p.m. Eastern time. 
please can we start moving like main events to 8 p.m. Eastern time? I didn't go to bed till like three in the morning because the main event starts at 10 p.m. And it's just, it's, it's insane. Like, I understand you're out there in Yas Island and for you guys, that's like fighting at like six in the morning. But you guys are staying on Eastern Standard Time anyways. But like, people here on the East Coast, we get the short end of the stick when it comes to UFC. There is no way you can tell me that you get better views at 3 a.m. as opposed to like 3 p.m. Like, if you, if none of these events <laughs> should be going past like one in the morning, okay? So please find a way to fix that because I was struggling to stay awake for some of that. Like, I think I, I might have dozed off two or three times during that Jose Aldo versus Peter Yan fight, which, by the way, was another great fight. A little bit of, a uh, little bit of heat for the ref there because Peter Yan was literally just playing the bongos on Jose Aldo's head for about a minute and a half in that fifth round. And the ref should have stopped the fight much earlier than he should have, but you know, or much earlier than he did. Um, but yeah, but back to the main event. So Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman. Um, so it was very, 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 very clear after the first round. And I want to say I was extremely happy when I heard that um, Masvidal was going to take this fight. I was super excited to see those two go up against each other because I thought it would be an incredible matchup. Um, the problem is when someone has an entire training camp to condition themselves and get ready and get into fighting shape, and the other only has six days you can pretty much guess how that fight is going to come out. So Usman basically dominated that entire fight, um, and not in like a bludgeoning way. It wasn't like Masvidal was getting just absolutely slaughtered, right? It was more like Usman saw after that first round, because in the first round, like, you know, Masvidal had his energy, and they both were kind of doing their thing. Um, but after that first round, you can literally see, literally see Jorge Masvidal walking back to his corner with his hands on his head and he's clearly gassed and if you're and Usman saw that and he was just like oh okay I can just yeah and from that point on Usman literally just dedicated the rest of the fight to I'm gonna grapple you I'm gonna clinch you I'm gonna land little strikes here and there and just continue to tire you out because you're too gassed and you don't have the energy you don't you're not in the proper condition to really go five rounds with me now Big shout out to Jorge Masvidal for going all five rounds because boy, oh boy, he was tired. <laughs> and you're in there with a world-class uh, fighter, a guy who was a welterweight champion and is an absolute monster. The fact that you even were able to last and didn't get knocked out or anything like that is incredible. Um, But I think this sets up Dana White and the UFC in a really good position if they wanted. So, Masvidal, even though he lost, I don't think it hurts him moving forward in the UFC. 
what I mean by that is when you look at everything, and if I'm Dana White, right? So I'm going into the mind of Dana White. This is what I'm doing. Now, based off everyone that I've talked to, everyone feels that if you give Jorge Masvidal from the people, that, again, from the people that I've talked to and myself in, included, I feel like if you give Jorge Masvidal an entire training camp to prepare for Usman, this fight looks very different. So if you're Dana White, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, we have Jorge Masvidal, who is a fan favorite. People love him. He looks great. Street Jesus, uh, all of that good stuff, right? You have Kamaru Usman, who is an incredible fighter. He moves the needle. All this stuff. If you're Dana White, you need to be working frivolously to (laughs) fervorously. That's the word I was trying to use. Um, If you're Dana White, you need to do everything in your power to make sure Masvidal versus Usman happens again. And so if you're Dana White, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, so we need to build up to this fight. We need to make it seem like Jorge Masvidal has gone through the ringer and that he's earned a rematch. So if you're Dana White, I think there's a ton of money and a ton of draw in doing an, another fight between Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Um, I think Nate Diaz obviously always moves the needle because he's a tremendous fighter. I think people like him because he has that bad boy attitude, but he is an absolute stud. Even if you know he's getting up there in age, I think he still moves the needle. I think people would be interested in seeing Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz rematch. So... You do that, let's say Masvidal wins. Okay, so now he's taken out another well-known, well-respected opponent. Then, if I'm Dana White, what I'm telling Masvidal is, okay, while one fight is not enough, we need to get you another fight. So who makes sense to set you... Yeah, who do we set Masvidal up against so that way we can say he has a legitimate reason, he has a legitimate gripe and a legitimate case and resume to go up against Usman. Have him fight Gilbert Burns. Now, granted, Gilbert Burns gets the short end of the stick here because if you're Gilbert Burns, you're basically going from having a chance at fighting Usman. Now, uh, Gilbert Burns was originally slated to fight Usman this past Saturday um, at UFC 251 on Yaz Island. Um, But he he ended up testing positive for COVID-19. So obviously he had to be pulled and then Jorge Masvidal took the fight on six days notice. So if you're Gilbert Burns, you're probably thinking, hey, look, it's not like I lost to anybody, okay? I didn't suffer a devastating loss. I didn't suffer an injury. You know, I didn't step away and come back and have people wondering whether or not I still had it. Like, I'm healthy. Like, I I tested positive for COVID-19. If I beat it, you know, I beat it, I'm going to be healthy. My next fight should be against Usman. But if you're Dana White, you're saying, yeah, but no. (laughs) If you're Dana White, you can sit back and say, yeah, but we have another guy who Jorge Masvidal took that fight on six days notice, went the distance with him. People want to see him fight Usman again, but we have to see if we have to make sure that he actually earns his shot. So you basically set up a fight between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal, and the winner of that fight gets to take on Usman in the champ for uh, the welterweight championship. Let's say Masvidal wins that fight. So now we get Masvidal versus Usman again. Yeah, we get part two. And if you're Dana White, 
you are now salivating at this idea. Because if Masvidal wins, Masvidal, let's say he gets he has a full training camp and he wins, he comes out there, he beats Usman, and Masvidal becomes the welterweight champ. If you're Dana White, your eyes are seeing nothing but big bucks because you know exactly what he's thinking. The moment they put that belt around Jorge Masvidal, if he if he is to beat now, granted, this is all dependent upon whether or not Masvidal can win these fights, right? If he beats Nate Diaz, then if he goes on to beat Gilbert Burns, then if he goes on to beat Usman. Dana White, now you're sitting here with a guy who's a fan favorite, who is a belt holder, who has a ton of charisma, who has a ton of personality. Sounds eerily familiar to another fighter. And if you're Dana White, that's the big fight of 2020 that you're trying to work towards. If you are Dana White, or maybe it would be in 2021, just depending on how everything probably would be in 2021. But if you're Dana White, and let's say Masvidal does end up winning all three of those fights against Nate Diaz, Gilbert Burns, Kamaru Usman, and he is the welterweight champ. If you're Dana White, you're immediately calling Conor McGregor. You have Conor McGregor coming out of retirement to fight Jorge Masvidal for the welterweight champ. And hell, put the BMF belt up there up for grabs too. <laughs> you set that fight up. That is the fight of the year. That is going to be a pay-per-view that everyone is going to buy because now you have two fan favorites. You have two guys who have ex- very interesting styles, very explosive styles that are fun to watch. You have two guys that are going to do a tremendous job of selling the fight because, like I said, they both have personalities. They both are great in interviews. They both are great in the conferences and the weigh-ins and things like that. If you're Dana White, I think you're sitting back and you're saying, we need to make sure Masvidal gets at least another chance to win this belt so that way we can do Masvidal versus McGregor. Because I think McGregor would come back. Uh, McGregor does this thing where he always retires. Like he'll say he's retired until someone interesting enough with, yeah, until they offer him an interesting enough fight that has enough money. Um, McGregor, and also I do give Conor McGregor, like he wants his money, but he also does want to fight people. Like I don't want to fight scrubs. Like if I'm fighting someone, make sure it's someone who's worthy of fighting me. I think if Masvidal wins that belt, Conor McGregor's ears perk up when Dana White calls and says, hey, you and Masvidal on Fight Island for the welterweight champ. Who says no? So just something to think about there. Just something to think about if I'm Dana White. That's that's the plan for me if I'm Dana White. I want that to happen. Again, now granted, this is all determined on whether or not... uh, Masvidal would be able to win all those fights. But if you're Dana White, that is your dream scenario. For the UFC, that is your dream scenario. A championship, yes, a championship bout between Conor McGregor and Jorge Masvidal is going to go bonkers. You're going to make a ton of money in pay-per-view. You're going to have a ton of viewership. It's going to be insane. So just something to think about there. 
And if I'm Dana White, that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for. Uh yeah. I think Oh my god, Master Doll versus McGregor would be incredible. Just like the build up for that fight too, because they're both great trash talkers. I don't even know who I would want to like I because I'm a big fan of both. I don't even know who I would be going for. Oh man, maybe Connor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But Dana White. I just gave you an idea. I'm pretty sure you probably were thinking it already, but hey, you know, we'll we'll flesh out the details. Um, that's all I have for you guys uh, this week. Yeah, today. Um, like I said, I will be getting more into uh, the what happened in UFC 251 um, later on in the article that will be posted on Nuts and Bolts Sports. Um, hopefully, I will have that article done uh, tonight, and it can be posted uh, no later than tomorrow. Um, so if you want to get a little bit more in-depth look at the uh, things that happened uh, this past Saturday, um, you can find uh, my article there. But that's all I have for you guys this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Your your support is much appreciated. Um, if you like this episode, share it. Tell other people about the show. Um, and keep listening. And like I said, as always, I leave you guys with a quote Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters, guys. Thanks. I'll see you next time.